Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Adulting with Joy Spring. I feel like I haven't done this in probably two months, in, in, in too long perhaps. Um, a solo episode where I just kind of talk to the mic and, and tell you how I, how I feel, what I've been going through. Um, basically the adulting things that I've, I've really been trying to process in the past couple of weeks and Although I am so grateful that I have usually Aaron Atidi on the show to figure things out and, and kind of see where life is going through this whole COVID-19 pandemic situation. It's also nice to just sit down and not worry about what Aaron's going to think about what I'm about to say or, or even just not have a specific topic or show in mind that I need to put together. But yeah, I a couple days a couple of days ago we celebrated Easter Sunday and we just celebrated uh, Passion Week or Holy Week and I did post on my social media that I was going to be you know, I was going to be posting an episode on the podcast that's faith related um and I was kind of thinking about two topics that I, I couldn't pick from. So the first one is a question that I would often get on social media, which I appreciate a lot. So please do keep sending them to me. Um, although I don't have the time or the chance to get through all of the messages. I really do appreciate it when people message me, uh, and tell me their requests because that gives me ideas and it, it usually shapes the kind of episodes and shows that we make. So the first question is, um, how do I start my spiritual journey, right? Because I constantly talk about my walk with God, my faith journey on this podcast, but a lot of you guys I know are not Christians or are struggling Christians or Catholics and, and you have no idea how to start that relationship with God. That's the first question that I thought of discussing. And the second one is my testimony. So for Christians, people, you probably know what that testimony is, right? It's the story of how you got quote unquote converted. Um, but for those who don't know, basically when people tell you that this is their testimony, it's just like this is them telling you this is my life story. And when you give your testimony, it's usually the before and after you met Christ. So I guess I'm going to go into my testimony, uh, well, briefly and probably vaguely. I don't know how much detail I'll go into. Um, and then I'll, I'll, I'll kind of, I'll kind of let you in on how I started towards, back towards my first, uh, my faith journey. So my testimony, I was born and raised in a Christian household. My mom had me when she was very young. She was 18, 17 years old. And that's why a lot of people would always comment on social media that she looks very young. I'm the eldest of the two children that she had. I have a younger brother named Victor. And from the very beginning, I, I grew up in a Christian household. My Lola was, my Lola was always kind of dabbling into religions, right? She was a Catholic at once and then she became a Christian, and then she became dating daan. And I remember as a kid just kind of being confused as to what exactly our religion was because there were Sundays that we would spend not going to church at all. And then there were Sundays where we'd go to these tiny home churches where we had pastors in our community in Tondo. And then I also 
experienced a time where I attended dating daan and it was some of the most interesting I I I kindly say um, experiences that I've ever had. Interesting in that you weren't allowed to cut your hair. I wasn't allowed to wear um, short. I wasn't allowed to wear pants. I was supposed to wear, um, you know, long skirts. And I was maybe seven or eight years old at this time. And my mom was abroad. She was working abroad because my 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 biological father had just died. And um, and what I'm trying to get at is that from the very beginning, I I kind of my family kind of dabbled into different religions, but for some reason, it felt as if. God has always been there in that even when I was six or seven years old, I remember being so young and just walking by myself to go to kids' church. And I remember because I was one of the more Bebo kids or I was one of the more active kids in Sunday school, the Sunday school teachers would get me and they'd put me in front whenever we were doing praise and worship for the beginning of Sunday school. And so I remember just being from from a young from a, as a young kid, even from my youngest memories, I remember God's grace in my life and that even though I didn't fully understand what church was or even though I was confused with what religion was and what exactly my family believed or my parents believed, I was just so focused on praying and, and going to church. And so I would do that. I would constantly pray and I would constantly go to church even though I, I was just alone. And yes, I used to just walk to walk the streets alone and walk to church alone. And, and that was my earliest memory of it. Cut to, I turn maybe around nine or 10 years old. My mom comes back from abroad, from working abroad, and she gets me and my brother and she marries my stepdad who I grew up with, eventually grew up with. We started, we started going to a Christian school. And in this Christian school, they told us that, you know, God is your friend. He is your father and you just have to talk to him as if he's your best friend. And I remember being so fascinated by this idea we had a we had CLE which is Christian living education we had a and since it was a Christian school we had so much time spent on reading the Bible and just getting to know God through scripture and and praise and worship and from our teachers and I remember being so fascinated thinking like wow I can't believe that I have a best friend I have a God who I can just talk to through prayers and and my teachers say and the bible says that he loves me and he created me and he knows everything about me and i remember walking around in school and telling god about how afraid i was of failing tests how i wanted to be the first honor of my class how just how my day was going. I remember I, I even asked God, like, how's your day going, God? Thinking that, you know, I'd get the response, like a, like a physical response from God. And, and I just remember the joy of having a relationship with God and, and, and constantly feeling his presence in my life through the word and through prayer. And I guess from, from the very get go, I kind of, I kind of knew that that's what I believed. I believed in Jesus. Uh, one of the starkest memories that I have also of being a young Christian was watching the Chronicles of Narnia, not knowing it was a book, not knowing it was C.S. Lewis, and also not knowing that it was Christian themed, quote unquote, or an allegory. Um, and I remember just sitting in the cinema and I kept crying when Aslan was killed 
because I thought to myself, that's just like Jesus. He died, but it wasn't, it wasn't his fault. You know, he wasn't supposed to die. It's the fault of the children. But then he died for, for the kids. And then I cried even harder when he was resurrected. And so I didn't know it at that time, but looking back now as an adult and as someone who's by God's grace constantly pursuing her relationship with Jesus, I just am, I just saw how God really protected me and guided me through the earliest days of my life so that even though I went through this dark phase of me forgetting and kind of neglecting my walk with Him, I still had this core, these core values of who to run to and what I believe in. So cut to kind of, I guess, a more difficult part of my life we're in. You know, high school was really the time that my parents started to have problems. You know, we started to have problems financially. And that was also the time that I started rebelling, not just against my parents, but also against God. I was so inclined towards the arts and music and the academe that I just, I, I, I became self-absorbed. And I was kind of, you know, I was kind of, I, I felt empty. I, I, I knew I, I knew I had depression from a very young age um, because, well, when I was younger, even before high school, I remember like talking to my dad and then my Lola, maybe as young as seven years old or 10 years old, I kept telling them, I can't sleep. I can't sleep. My brain just keeps churning. I keep thinking I'm, or I wake up sad and I didn't know what it was then. I never took medicine for it. And I guess I'm making a, an assumption now, but, but, but yeah, I guess it was the depression as young as that. And I just, I remembered just kind of being cold with my relationship with God. I stopped reading my Bible. I stopped praying a lot. I would still go to church, but you know, I would kind of go to church, not go to church. I'd be, I, I wouldn't be too consistent with it, not as consistent as I was when I was in grade school. And because I kind of went with the flow and, and to cut the long story short, I, I, I left out, I left God out of the picture. And, and that probably continued on until I, I was around 18 years old. And then something bad really happened to me when I was 17. And I went back to church because I was so traumatic. I was so traumatized. It was such a traumatic experience that I didn't know where else to go or who else to run to, but I knew that there was God and God would understand what had happened to me and that he would protect me and heal me and, and kind of give me peace and joy, even though I couldn't get that from anywhere else in the world. And so I did. I got to church. I started serving in CCF Eastwood. I was this scrawny 17-year-old girl who didn't know anyone from church, who was going to church by herself. And, and you know, I started to rebuild my relationship with God for maybe a year or two years. And during that time, I experienced the kind of joy and peace and contentment and satisfaction that I had never experienced in my entire life so deeply and so fully because of my relationship with God. And it was, it was really the happiest, the happiest days of my life. Well, until recently, it was really the happiest days of my life because God showed me that 
even if you don't have anything. Because during that time, when, when I went back to church, I was 17 or 18, went back to church and started pursuing Jesus again and started really being serious about my relationship with God, my family wasn't doing well. My parents were having problems. We weren't doing well financially. And so we didn't really have anything. I was a kid who had to work while I was studying in UP because I didn't have money for baon. I didn't have money to buy, um, I didn't have money to buy the materials that I needed for my plates in college. I just, I had nothing. And, and so in that season of my life, God showed me that you can have nothing and still have everything when you have Jesus. And I remember just being so grateful to the Lord because after everything that had happened in my life, after everything that I had lost, everything that I had experienced, having that relationship with Him and understanding that He loves me and that He died for me just gave me so much peace and joy that I didn't need anything else. I didn't need to have money. I just needed enough to survive. I would ride three jeepney rides from Munoz, our house in Munoz, going to UP. And I would have work. I was working at 17 years old. I got uh, I got the permission from my parents. Kailangan mo lang humingi ng like authorization letter from your parents to submit it to my employer. I had to do that. And um, I was 17 and I was working. And that's why I wanted to see CF Eastwood because I was working from 12 midnight. I was doing graveyard shift to 9 a.m. as a copywriter for this offshore company. Um, I would do my shift in 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 this company and then 10 a.m. to around 4 or 5 p.m. I had a class in UP and that was my life for, for a while. And, you know, I just remembered, gosh, this is really hard. And after everything that had happened, after pursuing God and, and all of this, I started to think I'm really tired of working as a copywriter in this graveyard shift and I'm just gonna try to do something else and my friends in UP kept telling me that I should go and and work in television because I had a knack for it even if I wasn't studying and broadcasting I had some friends from um, UP Mass Communication that wanted to shoot an audition video for me and one thing led to another and then I found showbiz and then again this experience of forgetting God and turning my back away from Him happened. So what happened was childhood and Christianity and then college life, short time of joy and and pleasure in God's presence and then forgetting Him again and running towards the world again, thinking that maybe life would be better, even better than what I had experienced with God if I just had all the money and all the success that I've always dreamt of having as a kid. And so I worked in showbiz and I don't really blame show business for what had happened to me in those few years. Um, I, I, I'm really blessed by, by the work that I've been doing in showbiz and in the digital world. You know, I love the work that I do. I love being a host. I love creating content and I love the fact that I was one of the very first few people that really experienced the birth of the internet here in the Philippines in that there weren't a lot of haters or trolls. It was just Tumblr and Facebook and YouTube. And we had a little world that we all kind of enjoyed and, and, and celebrated. And 
it was usually the nerds and the geeks who were thriving at that time. And I was one of the nerds and, and we had a really good run. And after that, I went into TV and radio. And um, before showbiz, honestly, I didn't have any experience of luxury. I didn't have anything of excess in my life. And I remember I was 21 already and I had a boyfriend at that time who was very kind to me and he was saying we should travel out of out of the country and I didn't even have a passport and I I I guess that's that's really when I understood that I didn't come from an affluent background because at 21 years old I didn't have a passport. I had very few. I at twenty. I at twenty years old. But I didn't have a passport. I, I I had very few IDs. I didn't know how to start like a bank account. I I didn't know all of these things, and I had to learn from books. I remember I kept reading Automatic Millionaire and Tony Robbins and Rich Dad Poor Dad and all of these other books, and that's why I love books because they taught me so much and learning from my boyfriend at that time and from my friends and from my co-workers how to start my my bank where to get my ids how to get the passport how do i travel and and all of these things it it just kind of consumed my life you know and once i started earning money i started taking risks and i remember i had amassed maybe like I was, it was so huge at that time. I had a hundred thousand pesos in my bank account and, and I knew I was like, I'm so tired of commuting. I was 20 years old and we didn't have a car. So my brother and I would, we had like this super old nineties, um, Kia Pregio that we had lying around the house. It was our family van and it was so beat up. It would overheat all the time, but it's, it, it's what my brother would usually use to bring me to work when I was beginning my work in showbiz as a host and to events. And I remember most of the time we won't be able to use it because it was either broken or my dad would use it. Or um, what would happen was he would just come with me and we'd, we'd ride taxis together to go to work. And I remember I had a hosting then um, that was in Alabang and I was so late for it because I had to figure out how to ride the bus from QC to Alabang and I had no idea how to do that. And and the events coordinator was so mad at me for being late, but I couldn't tell her that, you know, even though I was working in TV and even though I was a, an events host and even though I spoke this way, I, we had no cars. I have no friends who have cars. And, and so there was just a lot of, there was a lot of shame and, and difficulty and kind of crawling during the first few years of my career but then again I, I kept seeing God's grace in that he protected me and provided for me gave me opportunities that I would have never I, I would have never gotten with a kind of background that I had meaning that I didn't have any connection to showbiz or politics or I didn't have cool friends I didn't have wealthy friends I didn't know anyone who worked in showbiz but God kept giving me opportunities to kind of move forward with my career and and from there you know i i i i saved up money i learned i saved up enough to buy a second hand car and then i just kept going and and building like thinking of the work and the career that i had as a business and thinking of myself as a product in that i need to constantly develop this product and learn ways to market and sell it and and it just kept going you know and from 
one thing led to another and and I started working as I mentioned earlier from digital to events to TV and to radio and I just kept meeting the right people kept doing the right projects and kept saving up and by the time that I was 22 years old I had earned my first million and when I earned my first million I just felt unstoppable after 22 I just my first travel was 21 and from 21 onwards it was just work 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 I would work for maybe 18 hours a day I'd probably sleep for four hours and I do Um, from my radio show, I do maybe two events a day or a cup or one event a day. And then I do a TV show and then I do all of these side projects and shoots. And I just kept saving up that money. And I was never the luxurious type. I never grew up with luxury, right? So I never had the, the need to buy anything fancy. I always just bought what I needed. I provided for my family and I, I saved up all that money and I, I partied. I lived my life I traveled I I I did everything that I wanted I it was it was really what you would think of as a perfect life especially if you knew the kind of background that I came from this kid who had nothing this kid who wasn't even supposed to be a broadcaster a tv host so this kid who had no connection no wealth no nothing to back her up then all of a sudden to amass the kind of success and wealth that i did when i was 23 it was just surreal but then it was also some of the darkest and and saddest years of my life in that god showed me That even though I had everything, I had everything that I've ever dreamed of, everything that I had even not dreamed of, everything that I could, I couldn't have ever imagined to get for myself. The perfect career, perfect travel, perfect studying, perfect life, people who loved me, a relationship that I appreciated, a work that I loved, just out of the mire You know, I, I had everything, quote unquote, in, in the perspective of the world. But then deep inside, I felt like I had nothing. And the depression killed me. Um, the emptiness killed me, really. Because when I had nothing, it was easier to kind of say to myself, na, ah, I'm sad because I don't have money. I don't have the chance to study or to go abroad or to experience the finer things in life. Maybe when I get to experience those things, I'd be happier, right? Uh, it was easier when, when I was sad during the times that I didn't have anything. But when you have everything at 23 and you still feel like everything is nothing, then that's where the problem lies. And for a while, I kind of tried to drown the emptiness and the sadness with the partying and the travel and the perfect career and the perfect quote-unquote boyfriend and the perfect life that I had. And I kept drinking alcohol and, and smoking and doing all of these fun quote-unquote things that I wanted to do, but it just... I didn't fix anything. I would be happy for maybe three hours, the three hours that I was with friends and, and doing fun things. But by the time that I get home, I would just be so sad. I'd just be so empty. And um, 
I guess the turning point really came when I ended up having to break up with my boyfriend at that time because I kept looking for the kind of joy and satisfaction that I didn't realize at that time, but I was looking for the kind of joy and satisfaction that I had, I had experienced when I was 17 and I was in the presence of God. I was looking for that in the life that I had, I now had without God, but with everything that the world has to offer. So it took a couple of years before I started crawling back to God again. And, and it, it really, makes so much sense to me and it really gives me so much hope that salvation is not through works but through the grace of God alone by faith alone in Christ alone because if it were for works I I would have long gone to hell like I have no other hope but praise the Lord that everything that he offers us is not because of our own doing, not because he favors us, but because he is a good, merciful God who loves and is just and has showed that justice and that mercy and that love through the cross and the work of Christ Jesus. And in 2017, I started pursuing Christ again. And I, I went back to church um, I started praying and it was so hard. Um, I, I, you know, here's the thing that, that, that I really, I really saw God do in my life. You know, people would always say, um, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be thrown in, right? They always say that in the context of, ah, if you follow God, you'll, you'll get everything that you've ever desired, de- desired for. And, I don't think that that's the context of of that verse. I think the context of that verse is something that I experienced wherein I didn't even think about um, stopping smoke. Well, I of course I thought about stopping smoking and stopping all of these bad habits that I had amassed through the years of disobedience towards God. Um, but I thought of it as, If I seek God first, he will be the one to start convicting me and converting me into the Christian that he wants me to become. As long as I seek him first, as long as I love him first, as long as I keep my eyes on him instead of changing me into a good person, changing myself into a good person, then I'll be a better Christian. And that's precisely what happened. My days in 2017 weren't filled with a lot of work and in the very beginning of it I was kind of sad because I was so used to having this packed schedule of like work 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 for 18 hours straight sleeping for four hours but I was working in tv at that time already with no radio so I didn't have the same load of work that I used to have which is a daily show so my days in 2017 were just filled with practical pursuit of Jesus, which meant that I forced myself in the beginning to read my Bible. I forced myself to go to Bible study every week. That was every Monday. I forced myself to go to church. I forced myself to listen to worship music instead of secular music. Um, and the very few, the first few weeks of my journey back to pursuing God was just action before emotion. 
And slowly but surely, God's grace again showed upon my life and that from duty, it became delight. So from my duty fall, going to my Bible study and going to my um, discipleship group and going to church and reading my Bible, it all was duty at the beginning. And then all of a sudden, I found delight in the Lord again. And it was the most beautiful experience I've I've ever had and it was the happiest I've ever been. This is the happiest that I've ever been and that's all praise to God, all 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 glory to God. Um and you know when whenever I look at my life and the kind of work that God has been doing in my life, I'm always in awe of how much of a wreck I am as a quote-unquote Christian and just how perfect and merciful and gracious Christ is in all that wretchedness. And till today, you know, I, I would still have difficult seasons battling with depression. You know, every every now and then I still have these spurts of old habits that try to find their way back in my life, like drinking, um, getting drunk actually, or, or smoking or, or fits of rage. But I see how the Lord has overflowed me with his Holy Spirit. And I see how obedience has, has really been the way that God blessed me, you know, because when I obey his word and I focus on pursuing him first in reading my Bible in, 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 in following him and having a relationship with him, then everything else follows suit. You know, he provides for me just as much as I need, nothing in excess. Sometimes actually, there's excess and I'm so blessed by that, you know, to live a comfortable life. Um, he gives me peace and joy, even though I experience depression and anxiety. I experience daily, moment by moment, forgiveness and grace. And that even though there are human parts of me that still sin and that still fall short of the glory of God. I would experience his love and his delight in me through the different channels of my life, whether in prayer time or in devotion time and reading my Bible or through my husband. And when I started to obey God, I didn't even think about the things that I would amass out of obedience to him, you know, like they always say that oh, God will bless you when you obey to him. I didn't even think about that. I just wanted to experience the joy and fulfillment again of being in his presence. And that's all I wanted. I even prayed to God. And you know, because I said in this podcast, I said to the Lord, Lord, I don't even want to be in a relationship. I don't want to be married because if that's just going to take my joy away from you, then I don't want it. But still, God is so gracious and merciful so that he gave me that joy and peace and contentment in him first. And then everything else followed. And then my marriage followed. And then my ministry followed. And then my work satisfaction also followed. And and that's my testimony. And, you know, it's 
not a detailed one, but it's still kind of detailed. It's still, it's still, it's still pretty uh, detailed. And, and I just, I just wanted to share with you that. And, and I also wanted to share with you a couple of verses about the gospel. So, so people always say that uh, we want to share with you the gospel, right? Like I'm sure you've heard that once or twice. And the gospel is defined as the good news. And what is the good news? The good news is that, okay, good news, bad news. The bad news is that you and I were both sinners. We are born into sin. We both have fallen short of the glory of God. And that if we die as sinners without placing our faith in Jesus, um, we'll go straight to hell. That's what the Bible says, and that's what I believe. But the good news is that God loves us, and He is a merciful God, so loving and so merciful that He gave His only begotten Son to die for our sin. Why is it important that Jesus had to die for our sin? Why couldn't just God forgive us? Jesus had to die for our sins because God is a just God, which means that there needs to be justice done before forgiveness happens. Because if there's no justice, there's no forgiveness. And even if there's just forgiveness and no justice, what kind of God does that make God, right? Um, it's like this illustration that I would always hear, wherein I'm, I'm the sinner, right? And I stand in the court as let's say I am a murderer and God is the judge and God just, just says, Osige, I forgive you now. You can go on ahead for the rest of your life. Justice is not served in that situation, right? But Jesus comes into the courtroom and he says, okay, I'm going to serve the sentence and die for Joyce, for the murder that Joyce had committed. And, and then you can set her free. And so that's the good news for you and I. No one in this world is spared first from sin. When you look at every person around you, you see that we all have the capability to do some bad things. And when we let our passions rule us, it turns into chaos. And I've experienced that. I'm sure some of you who are listening right now have experienced that too. And what God desires for us ultimately is not for us to be punished, but for us to be reconciled to him. And that's why he sent out Jesus Christ to die for our sins as a propitiation for us. Romans 5 verse 8 says, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 8 verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9 says, You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And those are some of the Bible verses that are related to the gospel, really, that you and I are sinners in need of a Savior, and God fulfilled that need through Jesus Christ. And it's no religion, it's no 
It's no tradition. It's it's no magic. It's really just a personal relationship with the God who created you and who loves you. And here's the thing. It doesn't matter what your past sins are. It doesn't matter what your present sins are, what your future sins are. When you surrender your life to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He not only saves you for eternity, He also will be the one to sustain you, to convict you, to change you, and to really just satisfy you, the the deepest desires of your heart. There's this God-shaped hole in our hearts that we try to fill with the things of the world. And if you've been running, trying to amass everything that you think will keep you satisfied but have not satisfied you in all these years, my friend, you are looking for Jesus in all the wrong places. And, and I pray that from this testimony, from my story, you'll really see the grace of God. Um, none of the things that I have experienced or, or achieved or have become, none of those things are my own doing. It's really the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. It really is the grace and the mercy of God seen in full fruition through the changes and, and, and the joy and, and, just the completeness in my life. And, you know, in these hopeless times of just disease and decay and, and, and being faced so starkly by the mortality of the human race, my hope really is the fact that even when I die, life doesn't end there. Death for me and death for anybody who has placed their their life, their, their trust in Christ is just the comma to the eternity that awaits in the presence of His glory. Death for some people is the end of all things. And I pray that you won't accept that. You won't accept that this is life, that, you know, this is it, that you just live life and then you die. I hope you don't accept that. I hope you try to to really just do your own research and and ask God if you're listening to this right now and you're a skeptic there's nothing that you would lose by just praying and asking God to reveal himself to you and and when you ask him he will answer and if you're someone who's been struggling with your faith and you believe in Jesus but you just don't know how to start that relationship with him you just pray, you know, you, you go to, you go to the Bible, you read your Bible, um, and, and you pray to God. You just ask Him, Lord, you know, I, I understand that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I want to ask your forgiveness for the sins that I've committed, for the sins that I will be committing, because I know I'm a sinner by nature and by heart. But I pray that you forgive me for my sins and that you become my Lord and Savior, that you save me, O God, for your own glory so that I may be with you in paradise and in eternity forevermore. And when you pray that, you just continuously seek after God. Pray every morning, just thank Him and ask Him, Lord, what do you want to teach me today? What should I do? And then read your Bible if... if you're just about to read your Bible if you've never read your Bible. If you're a reader, you might want to start with John, with the Gospels. Just start with the Gospels. Um, John would be the first book that I would say. Um, if you have your devotional books, it would be nice to start reading devotional books. Um, if you can watch 
preachings that would be great. You can listen to some of my favorites. You have Ravi Zacharias. You have um, Matt Chandler from the Village Church, Pastor John MacArthur, um, Pastor John Piper. You also have R.C. Sproul. You can also check out CCF. Uh, my, my, our local church here in the Philippines and just so many other ways. But, you know, I, I have so much faith in the Lord. I know that if you ask him to reveal himself to you, he will. And so I challenge you to do that right now. There's nothing for you to lose, honestly. Like, if, Sabihin natin, if the Bible is not real, there's nothing for you to lose. You will just have lived a life according to the rules of an ancient manuscript that a lot of other billions of people believe in. But if the the Bible is true, then it is of eternal value. It'll determine where you live and where you exist for the rest of eternity. And eternity is a pretty long time. So long that I can't even comprehend it with my own brain. So... I, I just wanted to share this, this episode with you and I wanted to share my testimony because I, I feel like, you know, now more than ever, we're faced with the reality of life and death. And as a Christian, it's something that I constantly think about because I constantly think about, okay, what am I doing today that will contribute to my eternity with the Lord? Am I bringing more people to God? Am I encouraging more people? Am I showing Christ-likeness to people? Am I loving the Lord? Am I loving others? I'm constantly thinking about that. And I've noticed now that even people who don't believe in God or you don't have a religion are all of a sudden asking the important questions that Christians would often ask themselves too. And I pray that in my testimony, in the story that God has so mercifully and lovingly weaved through my life that you will find hope and maybe and maybe an inspiration for you to try and seek him also. Jesus Christ is an amazing person to get to know and I challenge you to get to know him before you even start saying no. And um I, I know that it's only through the God of the Bible that I find hope and peace that cannot be taken away by anything from this world. So, yeah, I guess that's it for this episode of Adulting with Joy Spring. Probably the most uh, personal and probably the most important episode for me as well. I hope that it's something that challenges you, that touches and, and tugs at the strings of your heart. And if it's if there's something that, that you'd like to share with me, an experience that you'd like to share with me, or something that you'd want me to pray for you, please don't forget to reach out to me with the hashtag AdultingWithJoySpring. You can also message me through my website or through my Instagram. But till then, I pray that the Lord speaks to your heart, that you allow Him to really just enter your life. And I pray that you see the eternal hope that Jesus Christ offers in this mortal world that we all live in. God bless you guys, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye, Alam.